I've spent the last few years working for one of the largest shockwave clinics in North America, and I've learned a thing or two about the power and untapped potential of regenerative medicine. But the march towards a future where sickness is healed from its root cause is challenged by the influence of big pharma and their deep pockets. So now we're forced to answer questions like, how do we get rid of joint pain, take back our performance in the bedroom, and heal diseases from the inside out without band-aid medications or negative side effects? This show will give you the answers. Follow along as I interview the world's top experts and doctors and how they transform their lives and their patients' lives using the newest advances in biotechnology. I'm your host, Austin James Wolf, and you're listening to Modern Biotech Radio. Hey, what's going on, Modern Biotech Pioneers? Today, I'm joined by Dr. Mo, Dr. Michael Moeller. How's it going, man? Hey, Austin. Hey, pleasure to be here today. It's a uh, sun is shining, so uh, can't complain. Oh, yeah, man. So tell our audience a little bit about yourself. What do you, what do you specialize in? Uh, so I'm a naturopathic doctor. I'm here in Southern California, specifically in Laguna Hills, and I specialize in regenerative medicine. So basically, I do a lot of testosterone replacement, peptide therapy, basically helping people optimize their body so they can recover optimally, optimally and live the uh, best uh, and healthy life. Right. So why regenerative medicine? Well, unfortunately, as we age, our body degenerates. So what can we do? We can go the opposite direction and help the body uh, come back to life so people can live optimally. Um, unfortunately, in our, uh, in our country, we have a lot of chronic disease and it leads to uh, lifestyles that aren't all that fun. Usually lots of pain, different medications. And so really at the end of the day, it's about quality of life. It's about living a, a long, healthy life where we're able to contribute to society and be our best selves. Right. And what, what classifies something as regenerative medicine? Oh, I mean, I think that's a, that's a pretty good question. You know, regenerative, genis, uh, regenerative medicine is really, I would say, kind of the forefront of medicine. Uh, usually we've been at the, always at the spot of trying to stop disease, and now we're trying to go in the opposite direction. And it's actually, I think, a new, newer idea in the last 10 to 20 years. Because like I said earlier, the idea of life is degeneration. Right. And we, you know, from zero to 18 to 20, we're kind of building, building. And then after that, we kind of break down. So in medicine, we've kind of looked at, well, what was happening in those states where we were growing and becoming more and more? And how can we utilize that as we age? So to me, any of the therapies that are helping the body optimize itself and go back to its peak state um, would be regenerative. So at the end of the day, we're looking at a lot of the, the hormone replacement therapy, the peptide therapy, the stem cells, all those things that are um, really up and turning and running well when we're in that, in that growth stage and help going back and turning the clock back and optimizing that. So right. we all feel great and feel good. Okay. And what, what's your clinic called? Infinity Medical and Wellness. All right. Infinity Medical and Wellness. And it's just infinitymedicalandwellness.com? That's the website, man. That's where you can find me. All right. I'll put that in the show notes. So let's say someone goes to Infinity and they have joint pain and they come to you. They're like, hey, Dr. Mo, I have joint pain. What can you do for me? What would you tell them? Oh man, we got, we got a list of different things. So as a naturopathic doctor, I really want to go for the root cause. Okay. Right. Let's talk about the knee pain. When did it start? How does it happen? What makes it better? What makes it worse? Because as you know, there's a wide variety of reasons that we can have knee pain. Is it right. joint degeneration? Is it an acute inflammation due to a ligament tear? So a lot of the, the devil is in the details with that question. So, but sitting down, listening to the person, see, seeing kind of what's going on. So first off, where did this knee pain come from? And my job as a doctor is to figure out how do I stop you from doing that, right? In certain right. circumstances, if it's something like, you know, if you have an ACL tear, right? We know that ligament laxity in the knee, um, especially if you get a tear, is going to then smush on your meniscus, 
Right. And that's why we get meniscal tears. So to me, first thing is like, okay, do you have a tear? You know, we should probably do some imaging. How did this happen? Figure out what's kind of going on in the knee. And on the opposite end, just from aging and osteoarthritis, you can just get joint degeneration from that way. So again, is it a 17-year-old? Is it a 40-year-old or a 70-year-old? So trying to going through and figuring out what's going on there. And then on top of that, you know, we have different forms of diet and lifestyle that will also increase inflammation. So not only is there pain from maybe you're working out too much, you've had a, a tear in a ligament, so therefore you have the meniscal tears and then the inflammation on top of it, right? So if you're eating a bad diet, lots of sugar, lots of pro-inflammatory fats, um, switching those to anti-inflammatory fats, switching that to more of a lower, car or lower sugar diet to help decrease with the inflammation. So um, from there, we have several treatments, really, at the end of the day. Uh, peptide therapy is great. Uh, PRP is great. Um, I just started using a what's called a Synaxis. It's a high frequency. It's kind of like a tens units on um, uh, with a, a much larger engine. It hits a, at a much larger frequency, and that works kind of on the cellular level to help again regenerate and heal the nerves. Right? What does so, it do? Um, it's it's basically like a high powered tens unit. So basically, it works on electrical stimulation. It can actually get down to the cell. Right, uh, a lot of pain comes from the. In our sodium potassium pump, we get an electrical stimulation. AMPK is one of the big signaling molecules for pain. So this machine helps kind of re-regulate that. Huh. Um, it's pretty cool. And um, but again, I would want to use all these things together. Right. Right. So I can use that to really help with the neurological part. Um, we can use some PRP, which will help regenerate the meniscal. You know, if there's a meniscus tear or any type of degeneration in the area. And then also you can use peptides and hormones, right? If a guy's testosterone is extremely low, he's going to have a, a real hard time regenerating properly. So all these things kind of coming together is what we want to do in any situation, not only with knee pain. Got it. And can you explain peptides to me? Yeah. So there's uh, peptides too is pretty, I would say kind of a, a, another forefront of regenerative medicine. Right. And we can talk about the legality. I see, you know, I know you're, you're really on the forefront too of doing what's right for the patient. Right. And we have to have this balance of safety. I get it. And uh, I'm pretty libertarian-ish. And I think that if people can't get it here, they're going to find a way to get it. Oh, of course. That's one of the, that's one of the bad things with peptides right now. The FDA went after specifically uh, a big compounding pharmacy and said, hey, are these things safe? We don't think you should be using them. And unfortunately, now those people are going to probably go to online websites, buy it from China. HCG is, is banned now, right? So um, technically, it's been relabeled. ACG, human chorionic gonadotropin, which is a LH agonist, um, to my understanding, was more of, it's in the, it is a peptide. Mm -hmm. But what the FDA did is they now relabeled it as a biologic instead of a drug. And therefore, biologics okay. cannot be made in compounding pharmacies. Therefore, you have to go through the big manufacturers, right. which, you know, my opinion is a conflict of interest. There's these yeah. big drug companies who make 30 to $50 billion a year. They look at ACG and say, wow, that's a two to $3 billion industry. Uh, Joe Schmo, the compounding farmers pharmacy down the street is making all this money. Oh, you know, they go and lobby and say, that's not safe. It's only safe if we make it. And therefore right. they, they, they ban it. So it gets really fit. And I get it. Their argument is it's not as safe. Okay. I get it. And there, in my opinion, there becomes a conflict of interest there. Right. Even um, though the FDA recalls plenty of drugs that kill people throughout yeah, the years. Yeah, all, you know, all the time. You know, you know, you look at Johnson & Johnson and the opiate epidemic, 40,000 people a year dying of that. Yeah. And 
just kind of makes you sit back and like, okay, who's safe? You know, right. kind of when we look at this pandemic right now, it's like, who are we? You know, people are, are, are not going to work. They're not making money. They can't feed their kids. Yeah. And what, what are the long-term effects of that? Okay. Okay. So you're a doctor. Uh, I don't know if you want to answer this publicly on the public show, but uh, <laughs> uh, if you don't, totally cool. We can save it from behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on the FDA? Do they protect people? Do they need to be more restrictive or do they need to be less restrictive or do they just need to change overall in the rules and how they approve things? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the way I look at almost all businesses is it's, it's made of people, right? Yeah. So people that get into position of powers all have some form of an agenda. At the end of the day, right. you and I have an agenda and it changes right. the way that we look at the world. So for instance, when I was in my undergraduate studies, my roommate was working, uh, he's a plant soil and science major and we could, you know, Monsanto, Syngenta, those are some big guys. Um, the, I got to remember, I'm pretty sure the president at the time, Jeffrey Sniff of Monsanto became our vice president, became vice president of the FDA. Either way, it was kind of a revolving door where Monsanto was into the FDA. So it makes sense that the FDA gets into positions where it designs the food guide pyramid and says, we need to eat 12 servings of grains a day. Right. That's when you have a person have to sit back and be like, hmm, is this a conflict of interest? And you got to think a person that's been working in that industry for a long time probably fully believes in it. You know, right. I think grains are great. I right. farmed grains. My grandpa farmed grains. They're, you're, they're healthy for you. Yeah. So it becomes tough because I think that greed ultimately at the end of the day will and money will kind of decipher the way you look at things. When I worked at GNC, I had plenty of coworkers that would sell a worse product for, for a little PM in their pocket. Right. You know? Yeah. I'm like, you know, I, I'm over here promoting multivitamins and apple cider vinegar, and they're selling the high caffeine pre-workout where they get yep. $5. Yeah. So it's tough, you know, and I think at the end of the day, a lot of people have good intentions. It's just as you go down the, along the road, you slowly, you, you steer off. Um, you know, you could say the same thing about what's going on with the pandemic right now, Fauci, right. all these people. When you get in a position of power, you know, you're going to look at things one way or another. If I got in the FDA, I'd be all for getting all these therapies out and covered by insurance. Right. And so some people are like, well, he's only covering it because you know about the doctor. So I get it, but I'm on your end. I, I think more freedom is better and people should right. have the ability to, to choose. We can't do stem cells here. A right. dog, uh, you know, so, oh, I'm going to Costa Rica and do it. Right. Yeah. So okay. Who's it helping? Let me ask you this. Okay. You're, you're a doctor. PRP isn't FDA approved for treatment of joint pain. So why did you decide to do it? I just saw it do absolutely miraculous stuff. Right. And what's funny is- So, I so, 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 sorry, not to cut you off. So, yeah. you looked at the research, you saw the observational evidence, uh, as well as the scientific proof, and you, and you thought, wow, this is great. Even though it's not FDA approved, I should still do this because it's helping people. Is that correct? Am I- it, it, Yeah, I mean, okay. amen, dude. That's what, like, why did I get into medicine? So, I, right. I personally got into medicine because I got what's called interstitial cystitis. Yeah. I went through the broken medical care system. I, told, I was told I had a UTI. I told I had an STD. I was told I have right. all these things antibiotics, antibiotics, until eventually I woke up out after the cystoscopy, which is where they take a camera up your oh, penis hole. Jesus. Yeah. Christ. And then the doctor's like, hey, you have an improper lining of your bladder. Here's more antibiotics. At that point, I'm like, I need to investigate this myself. Yeah. And figure out, hey, and I took some herbs that were not FDA approved. I juice fast. I got into a sauna. I changed my diet. I slept more and my, my interstitial cystitis went away. Right. Man, there's huh. something to things that aren't approved. Right. And then as I got into medical school, I, I actually saw prolotherapy first, which is, is technically weaker. This is dextrose and lidocaine. Um, it's not the actual PRP. Yeah. And I saw, I saw like five or six cases of chronic knee pain, 20 to yeah. 30 years, just go away instantly. And I'm wow. like, I don't care if this is placebo. It yeah. worked. That person yeah. feels better. Right. It's, it's sugar and water at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I shadowed some people using PRP and saw exact, the exact same thing. And it actually worked a little bit quicker and better than using Prolo. Right. Now explain to me, uh, what is Prolo therapy? I've, I know a lot about PRP, but uh, I actually don't know that much about Prolo therapy. I mean, te p technically, uh, it's kind of the, the square is a rectangle thing. So, okay. so, so PRP would be actually considered prolotherapy. The idea of prolo is short for proliferative therapy to regrow okay. stem cells. Got so it. usually when I talk about it, I, and, and because the dextrose lidocaine doesn't have a name, we just call yeah. it, we called it prolo. And to my understanding, it was the first kind of the, right. this therapy. I think a DO prolonged his thumb in the early 1900s because he couldn't do surgery. Yeah. He just shot some lidocaine and dextrose in there and his thumb healed itself. Hmm. So the idea with prolotherapy is you take dextrose and lidocaine yeah. and you inject it into wherever you have pain. Right. Number one, lidocaine is going to shut off the sodium potassium pump, which just right. kind of helps it reset the, the right. membrane potential. But the, osmolarity, the high osmolarity of the dextrose is going to cause um, uh, immediate damage in the area and right. the cells will lyse. They'll release the cytokines and the cytokines will be homing uh, like messengers to say stem cells come here. Right. Right. And we boost that up. when we use PRP, when we use stem cells, we're actually putting those direct messengers there where with dextrose, we're causing the uh, immune system to do it on its own. Okay. Got it. That so, makes sense. Yeah. So to me, Prolo, and I usually explain like this, Prolo is kind of like watering the joint, PRP is fertilizing and stem cells is like putting seeds. Ah, I so love kinda, that. Yeah. yeah kind of as you go, they, and, and you can, I've seen people get the same results with Prolo, kind of like you can get the same results with stem cells you can with PRP. Right. It's just usually going to take a little bit longer. Right. 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 That, that makes sense. That makes sense. Do you use stem cells in your clinic or is it just PRP? As of right now, I'm just doing PRP. Cool. Um, I may eventually bring on a toggless. I'm still trying to figure that out. You probably looked right. into that, like the, right, with right. the with the Wharton's jelly, the amniotic cord. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of moving mm -hmm. pieces there. And I've been to several talks and trainings, and then there's been some blowback with some of the, the companies getting in trouble. So I'm just kind of I want to do what's safe, but and right, I'm letting the dust settle and you know let the cream yeah. rise to the top. Okay, this this. But I want to help. Yeah, and I want to help be progressive because right. for some people, when they're on the edge of a rope, for instance, people with that are that are in in stage four cancer. I've yeah. seen. I've, I don't do a whole lot of IV therapy anymore. Yeah. But I worked with a doctor in Encinitas, and we did a lot of IV therapy for these people, and they saw it really helped. It's oh all, I saw significant results for people that were cachexic. They couldn't yeah. eat shoot all the, those vitamins and minerals right into the bloodstream. So. Right. What's, 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 I'm, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about yeah. your patients. Of course, yeah. don't, don't, don't break doctor patient confidentiality. Yeah. Uh, but what's, what's one patient success story you're most proud of? Um, I would say my, the first one that came to my mind was one of my first prolo cases I actually had while oh, wow. I was in school. Yeah. And it was a woman, she was 52 and she had knee surgery 20 years previously on this knee. Yeah. And it was bothering her again. And she was, she, she didn't get covered by Medicare to get the knee replaced. Right. And at that time, that's when I just learned about Prolo. And I said, Hey, would you like to try this out? And she was all about, she's like, okay. She actually was very skeptical. Didn't think it would do much. Yeah. And it started off where she would have a seven to eight out of pain in her knee. Um, when she would work out. And then even when she was sitting, she would have chronic inflammation about a five out of 10. Um, after three treatments of dextrose and lidocaine, which again, way cheaper than, than PRP. Right. Um, by the third one, her, her chronic pain was down to like a one or a two. So she hardly Holy had any pain. Mackerel. And then her workout pain was down. Like when she would use it was down to a four or five. And wow. she's like, wow, this is great. I can't believe this. This is even better than surgery, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, I think this is as good as I'm going to get. And I said, Hey, if you're open to it, why don't we just 
keep doing it and see if things will continue to get better. Yeah. And lo and behold, it slowly got better. We went all the way up to nine treatments. And by the ninth treatment, she had no chronic pain and like a one or a two when she would be using it and moving it. Oh my so God. That's when you, you know, you really start looking at stuff like the regenerative medicine, like, man, there, maybe there's something to this. And if I can save someone from knee surgery and that was maybe, maybe one to $2,000 at the end of the eight treatments. Yeah. It's like, wow. You know, and especially for someone in her situation, like a non-believer, I love, I love that. I want people. To <laughs> yeah, to I know. Them. Yeah, it's great. So, so if this works so well, why isn't every doctor doing this? Um, I think a lot of times it comes to what we talked about before, kind of like dogma, mm -hmm. teaching new dogs, uh, teaching old dogs, new tricks. Got hey, it. this isn't in the research, this, but Prolo has been around since the early 1900s. Right. Um, but again, at the end of the day, if the FDA is not approving it, some doctors don't even bother to look into it. They right. Get, you know, there's legal stuff that you might be a little bit scared about on that yeah. end and money, you know, insurance isn't covering it. So a lot of medical doctors are like, eh. and, um, yeah. And some people think that. <laughs> I get that all the time. Where, well, it's just placebo. I'm like, I don't care. We take drugs and we compare them against placebo for a reason. Right, right? of course. And, and sometimes, a lot of times, it doesn't even, you know, a drug doesn't even beat placebo. Right. So, yeah. It's like, as long as it works, it works. Well, yeah. okay. Let me ask you this. So, you're up to date on, it sounds like, almost everything, regenerative medicine. Where, where do you learn your new information from? Um, I mean, man, to be honest, podcasts and YouTube, listening to other yeah. doctors. Um, I went to A4M. Uh, yeah. I'm lucky to be, even as a naturopathic doctor in school, we learn a lot about these things. Like I had a professor in school oh, wow. teach me prolo PRP. I had a professor in school teach me about bioidentical yeah. um, hormone replacement therapy. And then you get lucky, you get around other doctors that are kind of in the same area, um, you know, where you're, whether it's certain types of IV therapy, yeah. ozone therapy, and then you go to something, you know, you go to A4M. Yeah, yeah, or these other course. kind of big organizations. I'll go to a couple of their talks and uh, uh, just yeah. just just for our listeners who don't know what A4M is, can you sort of uh, paint a picture? Um, I would say it's kind of the forefront of of teaching for a lot of these progressive and regenerative therapies. They had the World Conference in December. Um, I went there, and basically, you have all the best uh, regenerative medicine doctors in the world kind of come and they'll they'll talk about certain things. So um, I was there. Doctor Seeds was there. I did a whole day with him talking about peptides. Um, there was like Chimera was there as far as exosomes. Some of the big companies that are um, not only doing research but supporting products. So right. like Afrem this year was all basically NAD, uh, uh, nitric oxide, exosomes, and peptides. So yeah. it's basically four days. And then two, you can go ahead and talk to other doctors like, hey, you've been doing um, exosomes for a while. What did you see? You know, right. I talked to one of my doctors like, well, I did an exosome IV and I noticed a decrease on my, uh, or an increase in my deep sleep from my aura ring, like twice as much. <laughs> I was like, dang, you know, it's, it's stories like that that I hear. I'm like, you know, I think I might want to try that out. Yeah. So it's right. a big conglomeration of doctors who are all kind of headed in the same direction. Yeah, that makes sense. I love it. I love Averon. It's great. Mm -hmm. Um. If you could only do one type of treatment the rest of your career, what would it be? And I know as an integrative yeah. care doctor, that goes against your philosophy of <laughs> integration, but uh, if you could only choose one, what would it be? Yeah, and that, I guess that's kind of more on the um, actual like medications. I mean, to me, if I could work on everyone, just their diet would be, yeah. you know, oh. <laughs> sleep, right? I mean, yeah. getting away from, li right, away from lifestyle, we'll mm -hmm. take those as given, right? Sleep. All right. Um, if I only had one tool in my toolbox, yes. to be honest, I've probably seen the most significant changes with uh, testosterone replacement. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay, tell me a little bit more about that. What, what sort of successes have you seen with that? Oh, man. I mean, at, at the end of the day, 
uh, we were degenerating and a lot of it has to do with testosterone, right? right? And so you can give someone all the PRP in the world and it'll still do great things. Right. But what, what helps regulate the amount of growth factors that we have in our blood? A lot of that has to do with your testosterone decreases inflammation. Um, what I see more than anything with testosterone is just the overall cognitive benefit. Yeah. I think that, and, and I think if this were 50 years ago, that might not be my therapy, but I honestly think there's a, there's just, almost like a war on testosterone. Levels have been plummeting, right. sperm counts going down, guys having less and less meaning and yep. less and less motivation. Yeah. You know, I have guys come to me and this is kind of taboo in my profession because my profession, a lot of people are like, you need to have the guy do all the lifestyle stuff, do everything right, and then maybe testosterone go up on his own. Right. I've tried that. Guys who have low testosterone are depressed. Yeah. They can't get an erection. They can't put on muscle mass. They yeah. have no motivation to succeed. And it's like a downward spiral. Yeah. And it's You're exactly right. And it just snowballs. You know, you lose motivation with your, your partner. Then you're not getting along with your partner. Then you're going to work and you're miserable. Then you don't feel like competing. You can't put on, you go to the gym. I'm doing everything right. And I can't, nothing's getting fixed. Yeah. And from what I, what, you know, I'm like, Hey, let's do, let's put you on the testosterone. Hey doc. Oh man, last night me and the wife are, you know, I was in the gym and I was feeling good. What else? And then, and then they buy in and, and, yeah. I, and PR, PRP and the proliferative peptides would be a very close second. Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of really good success with the BPC-157, mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, the TRT is what I've seen has done the most holistic. Yeah. Is also kind of like, like I said, taboo because it's, it's a bioidentical, but at the end yeah. of the day, we are kind of editing the hormone system. So. Right. Well, what's the process a man goes through when they, when they come and see you? They're like, doc, my T sucks. Can you help me? Yeah. I mean, for, yeah. First thing you want to do is, I, and I go by symptoms a lot of times. I still yeah. do the blood work. Right. But if a guy comes to me and is, you know, testosterone reference range is now about total is 250 to 850. Um, free T is different depending right. on which practitioner you talk to. But I mean, at the end of the day, if you come to me and your T is at 400 and you feel great, then I'm like, hey, man, maybe this isn't the way we should go. But if you come right. to me and your T is even 450, but you're like, you give me all the signs. To me, it's like, if it works, let's try it out. Right. Let's weigh out the risks and benefits. In my opinion, there are very little risks when you're looking at, there's controversy about prostate cancer, maybe. Uh -huh. But we have all the other benefits as far as guys with testosterone over 900, decreased chance for Alzheimer's. Yep. Over 700, decreased chance for heart disease, diabetes. Like that in itself is already weighed one way. Right. We're not going to get through life with, in my opinion, with a biological free run, lunch. Right. So you're going to have to give something up to get, to get something. That's, that's kind of how it works. And so a lot of times I just have those conversations. I sit down right. with the guy. This is your path. You want to start TRT. We do need to monitor your blood a couple times a year. You know, I personally really like the injections. I think yeah. they're the, the gold standard. Right. We can do creams and all that. And again, we might end up on injections, just, but it depends, you right. know, and that's where the devil's in the detail again. Yep. That makes sense. Now, what, what's, what's something that's true for you as a doctor? What's something that's true for you that almost <laughs> yeah. no one else agrees with you on? I saw that one. I yeah. Saw that one. Um, I, I think really at the end of the day, and this is going to be, I, I want to word this right. Because, it, again, the devil's in the detail. But one thing yeah. is, as a libertarian, I believe that we all have the right. And, and I'm, who knows what, I don't want like isms. But at yeah. the end of the day, I'm all about personal freedom. Uh -huh. I'm all about your relationship with God, creator, whatever you want to call it, and your yeah. own. You should be able to make your, make your own decisions. Right. right. And that's where we get into the safety argument. So to me, I won't say that I, I've been on the opposite end of kind of the medic, like um, that medicine is a right kind of thing 
Right. And like, I, oh, you want people to die? No, I think that me as a practice, like, who gets to decide what medicine is, right? Like, right. with the big oh. universal healthcare, everyone deserves healthcare. And I'm like, one of the BS parts about that is like, I'm not covered, so right. I don't even want to. I don't want that. Yeah. Right? That was one thing I got torched for a lot in school when they're like, hey, we need to fight for universal healthcare. And I'm like, yeah. if 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 holistic, natural, if, if diet and exercise aren't covered, what's the number one? Antidepressant exercise. Oh my God, you're right. right. You don't get, you don't get, a, dep- you don't get a, um, uh, a prescription for that, and that's not covered. It's so interesting. The drug companies would definitely benefit from. Wow. Yeah, huh. that's what I'm saying. And it's like, again, who's pulling the strings? But it's like, right. well, maybe if I was in charge of the medicine, then I'd want universal health care. You know, yeah, it's yeah. one of but those. Yeah, exactly. Huh, interesting. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's great. Yeah, Ooh, it's, it's tough, though. I mean, those are tough conversations, and yeah. we're in a time now where things are getting really gray. And again, when you look at, okay, so insurance will cover a hundred thousand dollar knee replacement. Do I get a hundred thousand dollars to spend on my at home gym? If that, if that prevents me from getting a knee replacement. Right. And a lot of other terrible things that could happen to you. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, the risk first reward is I think uh, something that we as a society really need to start focusing in on and figuring out, you know, risk first benefits. So do you think, do you think this is a big question? A lot, a lot, a lot of woo in it, but do you think, yeah. Do you think society or at least a large group of individuals would put more emphasis on preventative healthcare in the future? Because it seems, it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, most of the whole, most of the healthcare system is based around, okay, now you have a problem, let's deal with it. Yeah. What, do you think there's a future where people will take action before they have a problem? Yeah, I, w- I mean, hell, I mean, even heck, looking at myself, it's like it took me to be vulgar, man. I had like an infection in my goods. Yeah, you know, like I was about to lose my manhood. It took me, it took me that. So I understand yeah. that when people are like having a hard time with these lifestyle changes. Right. And at the end of the day, most most people in our field probably listen to this podcast have had something happen to them, whether right. it was a loved one die of cancer or that they had, um, you know, colitis, or they had autoimmune disease, or they had chronic fatigue syndrome, where they just couldn't function anymore. And they're to the point where now, now I'm watching everything all the time, because I want to stay, I know what that's like. And as a doctor, and they say this about like shamanism, a shaman is someone who heals in other people what he's healed in himself. Ah, okay. So like, it hurt me. I know what that's like, dude, I'm here to help you. Like, let's get you like in, in, especially with like, the different areas of, of manliness now. Right. And we, you know, we don't have to get into the controversies over all that, but when we look at the way society's changed in the last hundred years, and I think part of being, um, in the masculine is the ability to give and provide. Yeah. And a lot of that's been taken away. And I think that's why we see, especially a rise in the low T and a, and a rise in the ED. Right. I'm a big person about body, mind, spirit. It all goes together. And, right. And, and that's what bleeds over. So to me, the physical, it all comes from also a mental and spiritual lacking. Ah, in my right. Opinion. Yeah, that makes sense. So until we get all those things together, you know, we're, we're so worried about the physical. We're so worried about your blood sugar's high. Well, your blood sugar's high is because you have some form of addiction to sugar. Why right. do you have an addiction to sugar? Because you don't feel stimulated at your job, so you need right. to keep your blood sugar up. Right. So we're, and we don't look at it that way. We look at it, the physical is wrong. Here's your metformin. Here's your lyrogutide. <laughs> We try right. to work backwards. So, right. stuff. I hope so. I really do. And I think society is becoming more and more enlightened due to people like yourself, podcasts like yourself, the listeners that we have here right now. Right. I love it. I love it. Who's one of your heroes? Oh, man. Well, I'm Christian. So, first, first and foremost, the, the JC himself. Right, right. Um, 
but I have, there's more than a handful of doctors that I listen to on, on podcasts like this. Yeah. Um, I would say one of the founders of my school, John Bastier is, is a big one. Why? Um, just the amount of time and effort and the ability to go against the grain. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with the Flexner report? No. What's that? So in the early 1900s, uh, Carnegie hired this guy named Abraham Flexner. He went around the United States and looked at how people were practicing medicine. And yeah. this is kind of how the medical doctor became the driver of what is considered medicine. Oh. So they went around the United States. And again, you could say there's conflict of interest because Carnegie and bed with Rockefeller all controlled pharmaceutical and big oil. Right. And Abraham Flexner came around and said, hey, the only people that are practicing real medicine are the medical doctors, the DOs, the chiropractors, the naturopaths. Those guys aren't real medicine. <laughs> what, we need to do, oh God. what we need to do is create a board and then have it mandatory that you have a license to practice medicine. Right. And so what they did is they shut down about 90% of the schools. Anyone produce, anyone studying anything outside of what would be a modern medical doctor curriculum right now was pretty much outcast. Right. So anyone in that time period that kind of stood up and said, no, I'm going to keep practicing medicine in the way I am or, you know, was often ostracized. And right. So, you know, and there's, there's some therapies now I don't condone and I don't tell people to do ozone. I've seen and heard really awesome stuff, but you have guys like Dr. Robert Rowan, who is, I follow him on Facebook, who's willing to say, hey, I've seen this when this. People yeah. need to know about this. Yeah. And for people to stick their neck out like that and yeah. to be willing to be ostracized and criticized, like that's something that uh, as, as my career moves forward is something I would love to you know, honor those before me who, you know, yeah. people stood up for free speech. You know, I, my heroes too, or, you know, the fathers, you know, the, the guys that created the country that, yeah. you know, give me liberty, okay. or give me death. So here, here, I got a question for you. Yeah. So, you know, obviously I'm, I myself am very loud about acoustic wave therapy, shockwave mm -hmm. therapy for erectile dysfunction. And there's a lot of data there. If you read the reports, I'm, I'm sure you might have read uh, one or two of them, but most of them are like, all right, a majority of people saw an improvement. Uh, we need more studies on this. <laughs> so that's yes. kind of how every study ends. Now, let me ask you this. We've seen it in our own clinic, the benefits that people get. We're, I'm very loud about it. We're all very loud about it. But is there a line of how loud you can be about something without having, I guess, irrefutable evidence? Hmm. I don't think so. I mean, I think it's yeah. up to every individual to ask that question on okay. themselves. Okay. Right? okay. Well, let me rephrase the question. Um, I've also seen, I may or may not have seen with my own eyes, people reversing their cancer using exosome therapy. There is some literature stating that this is possible. Now, let's say someone takes that data and then stands on a flagpole and says, hey, I saw that exosomes, it cured my cancer and it cured my friend's cancer. We should study more about this. Is there something wrong with that? Is there something wrong with observational evidence or is that completely okay? In your opinion. My, my opinion, the truth is a line. And if you set it free, it can defend itself. Ah, and that's why ah, we have discourse. Okay. That's right. why we have freedom of speech. And people right. say that, oh, well, he's, he's giving faulty information. It's kind of like when Trump had said something about the hydroxy... Uh, yeah, hydrochloroquine or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and someone drank like the fish tank stuff. I'm yeah. like, man, like right. can't, we can't take responsibility for it. But how many people may have that had helped? Right. And it's just like everything. There's so many things that are irrefutable. You know, scientific research says X and we learned right. 20 years later, it was completely wrong. Yep. So, and right. let, you know, like with censorship, man, I am totally against censorship. Yep. You can say the most outrageous stuff. And I don't, you shouldn't be insinuating viol uh, violence and you shouldn't right. be right. giving right. away personal information. But at the end of the day, you can say something in complete opposite of me and I will fight for the right because to me, 
a logical fallacy is the straw man argument. People yeah. try and look for the weakest point. Hey, you're right. You have you have two studies showing that gains wave therapy increases endothelial function. Right. Um, let's let's you know let's try and pick the study apart. Everything right. that I do, I want it to be picked apart because I want the truth. Right. And unfortunately, right, right. people don't want a lot of times they don't want truth. They want whatever gets some money. I still right. think yep. that you know. Right. And so at the end of the day it gets conspiratorial where people are like, Oh, if exosomes really do X and cancer treatment center of America is like, Oh no. Like I get it where they're defensive of what they're doing. Right. You know, but I'm with you. Hell yeah. No man, we should, if you see something, say something. And if it's wrong, that's why we have a justice system to prove what is truthful. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So this is another question I want to ask you. Uh, a lot of the basis of this show has been based around, okay, what are the white papers? What are the actual clinical studies say? Are clinical studies irrefutable? If so, I mean, you know, clinical studies, you know, aren't, you know, they're not, they're not scripture. They're not, you know, yeah. you know, hard, you know, science disproves itself all the time. So if someone's trying to get down to the, the you know, the truth, the science, uh, the evidence, is there sort of tells in clinical studies that you can read and say, oh, they made a mistake here in this study. Therefore, this study is is wrong or false or can't be held as a foundation uh, for this treatment. Are there certain tells that let you know that one study is a lot better and more trustworthy than another? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you have the hierarchy of a meta-analysis versus a single controlled study. Right. Um, I don't know, man. At, at the end of the day, part of the problem is the philosophical idea and the methodology of all these things. Right. There was a bunch of studies that came out with testosterone and showing it didn't work. And it's like, they were doing one injection, like every four years or something. Right. You know what I mean? It's right. Like, right. Okay. You know, and, and, and what sucks is then they throw a blanket statement. Hey, gains wave doesn't work. Shock wave doesn't work. Right. Because we did three of them on a guy who's 90 and hasn't had an erection in 30 years. Yeah. Or he doesn't work 200 pounds overweight. And you know, we yeah. just, yeah, we just go, we go straight past common sense. Right. You know, and I've seen amazing stuff like shockwave. I've seen it work and I have seen it not work. And right. a lot of times the devil's in the detail. Yep. If you have a, anyone from 40 to 60 who has decent endothelial function. They're taking care of themselves. A lot of times it does great. Guy who hasn't been able to perform for 20, 30 years, gonna be a little bit harder. Right. And I have seen it work in that case even right. too. So right, right, and at right. the end of the day, I, you know, it's tough for me because I, I haven't done any, I haven't done any research. Right. Really, right. Um, any clinical research on my own. I see what my own eyes. I've done hundreds of sets of labs. I've right. seen what's worked. And it sucks though too, is how a lot of that's a lot of that isn't credentialed as great research. I'm like, right, dude, right. I've seen hundreds of guys use TRT and it's helped, you know, ED is a big one. Oh, right. testosterone right. does or doesn't help with ED. Right. Yeah. I've seen it work, man. Yep. I've seen it and not every time, but, and as a doctor, my job is that I became right. a doctor to help people. So, right. So if it helps people, if it helps your patients, sounds like you do it. it. And, yeah. and, and that's, and then that's too, where I think a lot of these lawmakers and a lot of people doing research need to understand, like if you were in their seat and you got better then maybe you would understand. But a lot of people are just, we're just, again, I think this comes down to the, the mental, spiritual, and, and communal thing. Like we're yeah. just not tribal the way we used to be. And there's a way that we all get kind of, um, all, uh, we get isolated, right? And that, well, the bad guys over there and, and this, this, this separation at the end of the day. And then we get very much sympathetic. You know, we go inward and we're scared and we try and refute anything that could have any type of negative effect on our lives. So, right. Of course. If you were going to write a book, what would it be about? Uh, I think it, it, it it would be in that in that area about talking about how health yeah. is just not physical. Mm -hmm. It's 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 
community, it's community, it's spiritual, it's mental, it's all these things going together, you know, kind of like holistic. And, yeah. and to me, it'd be kind of, and I thought about this, if I write a book, I'd probably write something for like 13 year old me yeah. and kind of highlighting all the things that I've found beneficial at by 30 and be like, yeah. Hey, you're next, you know, you're turning into a man. These are the things that will really, really help you move forward. And again, to me, it's more of the direction of society. I think health is a direct reflection. I think that, you know, microcosm, macrocosm, what's happening in the world is happening on the individual level. And when we have a society, it's made up of individuals. So right. we have to figure out how to get all the kinks out of that. And I know that's all kind of fluff and woo woo, but getting down to the basics of getting a routine, fixing your circadian rhythm, eating rightly, caring about people, um, reflecting on yourself daily. What am I, what can I do better? And you know, there's, there's a lot of things that I think at least spiritually and mentally that have been taken out of context in the last couple hundred years, really yeah. just talking about like guilt and shame and, and our connection to the divine and how it's been manipulated. And, um, I think that's what people need to hear. And you know, right. guys and, uh, Jordan Peterson's a guy that I like a lot of his message just talking yeah. about bringing meaning back into our lives. And, and in my opinion, my upbringing was very, I was very blessed with an awesome upbringing and I had challenges, but when right. I look back and reflect on history, I was originally a history major. Like, oh, wow. that, was a, that was a bloodbath, man. Yeah. Like when you, look at, when you just look at the 1900s, you go from like the Spanish flu, World War One, World War Two, you know, communist China, all this crazy stuff. And the last 20 to 30 years has been pretty cherry. Yeah. So, it's been pretty good. Kind of reflecting on all those things. I think that's where we need to figure out where we where we fit in in the larger place and, and yin and yang you know there's there's a universe in us right. and and out there so right i love it man i love it thanks you got a good story to tell i really <laughs> I hope uh, you, you keep publishing because people need to hear it <laughs> we'll see we'll see it's on the list, on the list. <laughs> thanks, man. yeah man Appreciate for sure it. well uh, thanks for coming on the show today we're going to jump into our behind the scenes q a but All right before we do that where can our listeners learn more about you uh, yeah. So my website's just drmichaelmoller.com. Um, and then and my clinic. Your clinic? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My clinic is infinitymedicalandwellness.com. And uh, you can search. It's in Laguna Hills. So I'll pop up on Google. And awesome. I'm on Instagram, doctor. I think it's, yeah, dr. period mo and on YouTube. I'm probably most active on YouTube at this point. Awesome. Good, good, good. Cool. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, that's it. Thanks for listening. And uh, I'll put the link to Dr. Mo's websites in the show notes and that's it man thanks for joining us hey, it was a pleasure being here man want to see what the top experts have to say behind the scenes just go to modernbiotechradio.com and you'll get instant access to every behind the scenes interview for free now these interviews are not for the public so please don't share but if you'd like to pull back the curtain with me and learn what secrets they reveal just go to modernbiotechradio.com and get instant access to these interviews for free. Again, that's modernbiotechradio.com. If you'd like to learn the best kept secrets that they can't share publicly, but allowed me to share in private, just go to modernbiotechradio.com and get instant access to all of these interviews completely free. I'll see you there.